All right, so let's get started. Um, if you want, you can uh, take your Bibles and open up to Colossians chapter 3. And um, if you're new or visiting this morning, we are in a series. This is the culminating message on um, the sin of offense or the culture of offense. And we've talked about how uh, being offended is kind of an American birthright. It's, if you think of American culture, it, a lot of it's off of being offended. And all you have to think about, if you say, well, is that really true? Just think about when it's a campaign year and the political ads, right? And it just tells you how that is wrapped into the fabric of what we do. And so we've been talking how to be different, how to pull out of that, how not to be like that. And, um, and last week, uh, we did a serious thing. Last week we stood or we came down for prayer um, and stood before the Lord as to things that we knew the Lord had told us we had to let go of uh, in terms of offenses that we were carrying or wounds that we were carrying that way. And, um, and I think that was a, a landmark Sunday, Sunday for us. But I, knowing how sin works and knowing um, how life is... Um, it's highly likely that it probably came back to you some point this week and tried to restick itself to you, and you're like, oh, discouraged. Like, what did I stand up for? It's just worse this week, and we know how that works. So this morning what I want to talk about is uh, the process of forgiveness, all right? It's called the gift of forgiveness, but maybe a better name is the process, how we walk through the process together. Uh, because what you'll find out is that forgiveness is a process. And um, so... I was watching some uh, old uh, Johnny Carson clips, okay? So for some of you, you won't know that name. Uh, But for some of us, that brings fond memories of when TV was good, all right? And uh, I was watching these clips. But one of the things they were saying about Johnny Carson was that uh, one of the things that made him really successful, uh, and he was a a phenomenal comedian, but one of the things that made him kind of the king of nighttime show hosts, I regarded that to this day, uh, is the fact that he worked really hard to help his guests be successful. Um, that he wanted them to look good and he, he wanted them to succeed on his show so he would do things so that they could succeed. And I, 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 wanna, I think um, it often gets overlooked that as your pastor, I want the same thing for us. I want you to succeed. I want you to do well in the Christian life. I want you to have success. I want you to be able to go, boy, you know what? I, I did, I'd never done that before. And I, the Lord, wow, it's cool, all right? And so this morning is part of that wanting us to succeed. What we're going to cover is really important today. Um, and I would imagine that it's not going to be a new word. It's going to be one that you've heard from the Lord before. It'll just be reaffirming something You've heard him say to you many times. But it's really critical to us staying healthy spiritually and emotionally and uh, being balanced and um, actually having the Christian life function. So with that hope in mind, we probably should pray. All right, Father, as we're gathered here this morning, we recognize that forgiveness, when it comes to forgiveness, that is something you taught us. That's not something we came up with on our own. And it's something that uh, we're in a a continual process of learning to be more like you. And so as we walk through this today, whether it's for the first time or whether for the hundredth time, might you highlight something that really sticks out and emphasizes something that you've been teaching, that you've been talking to as us as a, a family, but also us as individual sons and daughters. And we ask for the grace to listen well. Uh, be among us in your spirit and highlight 
whatever you need to highlight. And we ask for that grace in your name. Amen. All right. All right, in Colossians 3, um, we read that passage, and we'll come back to it later in the message, but I want to end with the last verses on there, and you see them up on the screen. It says this, bear with each other. Remember last week when I said, when it says bear with each other, we weren't saying, okay, not being a bearer. It's saying bear with, which means hang, stay with it, encourage each other, right? Stay posse with each other, bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Notice there it says whatever. Does the size of the grievance matter? No. Whatever can be eat, right? But what happens if you don't take care of eat? After about a year, five months, uh, five months a year, two years, what happens to eat? It becomes raw, right? It becomes a dragon that you can't kill. And so one of the things why the Lord tells us to take care of things quickly, fast, is because take care of it when it's small, when you, when you can deal with it. It also means big ones. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that right there is the hallmark phrase that we're going to look at this morning. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. One of the biggest things, uh, you know, when people often say, well, church people are no different or anything like that. Well, that's true in terms of economics and all that kind of stuff and, you know, where we live and that kind of stuff. But there is one big difference between us and other people. The one big difference is we are a forgiven people. We are people who know and have been forgiven by the Lord. And if you go around and ask, you go around and say, wow, boy, the Lord was kind to me. Anybody in here the Lord was kind to has experienced his forgiveness, right? Okay. So we are a forgiven people. Therefore, as we have been forgiven, so we now need to learn to forgive others. And that's the whole thrust of what we want to talk about this morning. If you go to Matthew 18, that's the steward passage, right? And we talked last week about the guy who owed the master a billion dollars and then the guy who owed 15,000 bucks. And when the guy who owed a billion dollars came, he fell on his knees. He said, please be patient with me. I'll pay you back everything. Obviously, he couldn't even pay back part of it, let alone all of it. And the master had compassion on it and let go of the debt. And then he found a guy who owed him, the, the guy who was forgiven, found a guy who owed him 15,000 bucks. And we said, you know, 15,000 bucks is in chump change. If you owed me 15,000 bucks, I'd like to get that back. I could use that, all right? But he found him and it says he literally choked him. So he had him by the throat, shaking him, and said, pay back everything. The guy did the same thing he did, got on his knees, said, please have mercy on me. Uh, I will pay back everything. But the guy wouldn't have mercy. And he got mad and said, no, he threw him and his wife and his children all in jail till they paid back the whole debt. And when the master heard about it, he came back and he said, you wicked slave. Now this is to, this is to us, okay? That's a passage to Christians. He said, if you don't get forgiveness, if you don't understand how to extend it, then you're operating wicked. Okay? And what wickedness is, according to Romans 1, is we take the truth and we suppress it. We put it behind us. It says, you wicked slave, couldn't you forgive the guy who owed you that little amount when I forgave you the billion dollars? And he says at the end of that parable, he says this, this is how, uh, and then it says, he took that servant and he threw him in jail till he paid back everything. All right? What are the odds he was going to get that paid back? Not much. All right. So it says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. 
We'll talk about that. But what that means is you can't posture it. You can't fake it, right? Or slide step it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, cool. Uh, no, it's got to come from your heart. You ever said the words but not meant it, right? Or told the person they're forgiven you're still angry at them and, and hold the grudge inside? That's very easy to do. It says it has to come from your heart. And then take it one step further. If we go to Matthew 6, this is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our, and we'll use the old school word, trespasses, right? Modern translation, debts. As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. In other words, they've crossed the line. Or we would say, New translate, they are in debt to us. And they're in debt to us until they pay because they cross the line. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we don't often read these verses, but they're the reason Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, and it's the qualifier for the Lord's Prayer. He says this, So if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so what we see here, what we're looking at in this group of verses here that point this out, we must know this. Forgiveness is not optional in the Christian life. God is not asking how you feel about it. He's not asking our opinion. He's not asking, um, gee, do you want to? Right? How many, how often do you want to forgive? Right? Do you ever have to choke out the words, okay, I forgive you, right? And the more you say it, the more it becomes true because you can actually get the words out. But do you ever want to forgive most of the time? No, most of the time you want to pound the snot out of somebody, right? Then you'll forgive them. Ah, that felt much better. Now I forgive you, mud puddle mush, right? Okay, so the point here is that this is a command. This is coming from our king. This is coming from the one who forgave us and asking us to act like him. And so it's, it's, a, it's a foundation piece. It's, a, it's actually a measuring line. If you really want to measure how you're doing in the Christian life, it's a measuring line for where we are at in our relationship with the Lord. Is, am I able to forgive and let go of offenses, or do I hold on to grudges? Am I a grudge keeper? Okay. It lets us know whether we're in good standing or not. And to a great extent, it has to do with how we're relating to each other down here. If you go to uh, 1 John, there's a, a horizontal vertical component. 1 John chapter 4, there's a God this way, God this way component. How I relate this way affects how I relate this way, and how I relate this way affects how I relate this way. Look at what it says here. We love because he first loved us. Amen? We loved And many of us later came to realize, wow, the love he had for us was very different than the love we have for him. And we're we're growing in it, right? We love because he first loves us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God, what? Must also love his brother. Therefore, is the extending of forgiveness optional? No. Is it easy? No. Is it mandatory? Yes. All right? And that's what we're going to look at this morning and take. So let's do a couple things here. First of all, what forgiveness is? Let's go through a couple things that it is. All right? So first thing, the first thing that forgiveness is, is 
Forgiveness is extending the same grace and gift God has extended to you or me through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus to others. All right? It's the same grace. In other words, as God has reached out and forgiven you, then I in turn reach out and forgive others who have sinned against me. So just as I have sinned against God and he has forgiven me, so now I extend forgiveness to those who sinned against me. See the pattern there? Secondly, I think this is an important one. It furthers the process of redemption. Redemption is God trying to clean up that which is broke, right? We call it the fall. And it's redeeming it to its original purposes. And so the kingdom is all about God redeeming people. And what it says is that if God redeems you and you forgive other people, you're extending the process of redemption. You're actually helping with the kingdom of God. You're furthering um, where, where things go. Third point, and this is an important one too, it frees me from being permanently shackled to the other person. When someone sins against you and they hurt you, and you're wounded, right? High, high school, or junior high, you know how that works? High school, right? You know how that works, right? Someone sins against you, and then what do you think about them? And then you think about how to be mad at them. Then you think how you're going to get them, right? And then you got them by the throat, okay? When you do that, who do you focus on? That person or Jesus? You focus on that person. Unless you divert your attention to Jesus today, Jesus, if you smack them, I'll let go of them. Right? Okay? What it's saying here is that it frees you up because if you don't forgive, then you are shackled to that person. Have you ever had an offense against a person and it's bugged you for years, but they're free and carefree and it doesn't bother them at all? Who's the one really in prison? It's you. And so part of understanding what forgiveness is, is getting unshackled from people so that you're free to focus on what the Lord has for you and you can let that go. Uh, Some of us probably have offenses that go back uh, to our childhood uh, time. And we've never actually said, you know what, I want to release that. I want to let that go. I don't want to be shackled to that anymore. That's an important thing. And then lastly, it does exactly what we hope for is that it gives God room to work. Here's one of the problems and why we don't forgive is we have a problem with God's justice. And why we have a problem with God's justice is because he doesn't do it the way we want and he doesn't do it in the timing that we want. Has God ever been a little slow to the trigger for you? And like you should have smacked them months ago, right? Now just think about that. That's really good news though because he's also, if he's slow to the trigger with them, that means he's also slow to the trigger with you. Right? Yeah, see, even some mm-hmms in there. Yeah. Okay, right? We understand that. So the, the thing here is that we, when we get offended with God's justice, then we are going to take justice in our own hands and we actually stop what we really want to happen. Because what we really want is God to be at work. But like Jonah, we know God may be compassionate. He may forgive that louse and we don't want him to do that. So we will make them pay. And when you let go, it actually opens up room for God to work. A lot of times why we don't see God work is because we won't forgive. That's true of a marriage. That's true of a family. That's true of a church. You ever see a church that won't forgive? What happens to it? It just shrivels up, right? Okay, Okay, now that's what forgiveness is. Here's some things that it isn't. All right, there's some things it isn't. We got to be clear on this because this gets really... Uh, messed up. Number one, it is not a free pass for the other person. All right. 
Uh, That's what we're afraid of. If I forgive them, they'll just get off scot-free. No, it really isn't. What you're doing is you're unhooking from it. But you you have to be wise and you have to, we'll we'll talk about this in just a second, but um, it's not a free pass. They still have to deal with the consequences. And whether you think they're getting away with the consequences or not really doesn't matter because ultimately, who do they have to stand in front of? The Lord. Ultimately, who do we have to stand in front of? The Lord. All right? So there's no such thing as getting away with something because the Lord tracks every single word and thought we've had. Okay? And so there's not such a thing as a free pass. But more importantly, here's a couple other points. This one I think is important. Just because you've forgiven them doesn't mean you have to trust them. If someone has sinned against you, it doesn't mean you have to trust them. If someone has stolen, you don't have to let them into your house hoping that they steal from you again. All right? If someone has raped you, you're not going to put yourself in their presence alone hoping nothing will happen. You may forgive them. It doesn't mean you have to trust them. That makes sense? Because too often we get that confused and we think, oh, if, if I forgive them, then I just have to be buddy-buddy. No. What you did was evil. Uh, in the Josh McDowell DVD, there's a scene where he goes and asks forgiveness from him. He said, what you did to me was evil, but I forgive you in the Lord. All right? And so he never saw the guy again. So we have to get that straight. If, if there's something where somebody's doing something dangerous, you don't have to trust them. You might never be best friends again. You might not be close again. But you can forgive them. You've got to distinguish between those two ideas. Then the, the third thing, here's another one that I think is a misnomer. Just because you've forgiven them doesn't mean you forget the event. Now, on some things it can, right? Have you ever had somebody come to you, oh, I'm so sorry, I need to ask you forgiveness. You're like, oh, you know, last week I did this to you. And you're like, oh, I, ah, gosh, I didn't even track that one. Okay. And those are, wouldn't it be nice if all of life was like that? Yeah, I forgive you. I, hey, whatever, you know, it'd be really good. But there's a lot of them that aren't that way. Hey, uh, if you've been raped, if you've been assaulted, if you've been uh, stolen from, if you've been, um, you know, politically movered and shafted at work and lost out, you don't forget that. You can forgive that and the memories will change over a period of time. But what you have to say on that is if someone comes up and says, you know what, you don't need to bring that up again. I forgave you of that. And even though what you did wasn't right, that's now washed under the blood. It's, it's covered by Jesus. So just let it go. Just let it go. And that I think is important. It's the Lord who forgets our sins. And that just tells you that the Lord is very different than we are. Right? He takes our sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west. Good for him, and I'm glad that he does that. We're human, we remember. Right? So if you think, gee, I haven't forgiven them because I still remember, no, you can remember. But when you go through the process of forgiveness, it's amazing how the Lord washes that and changes. And you can actually say, person, you know what? I'm really sorry that happened, and I don't know why you did that, but I want you to know I forgive you. And it changes, and it, it, it's not easy but it's, it's powerful and it's effective. And then the last one I think is equally as important. Uh, forgiveness does not mean I let people get away with illegal things. Uh, often the mistake is, oh, uh, I saw somebody do something, but I forgave them, so it's okay. No, if they're doing something illegal, you, you're responsible to report it. Um, one of our friends came up uh, during one of the other messages. He said, Steve, I remember when I was a, a young lady and she was in the Midwest 
And she said, I was in a church and I knew that two things, the pastor was ripping off money from the church and I knew he was shacking ladies in the church. And she said, but I told myself, well, I just forgive him. And she said, but as I've been listening to your series, as I've been going through and I realized that was a wrong response. I should have reported him. I should have let somebody know, but I was afraid and scared, so I didn't. And I think often we can get stuck there uh, and just saying, well, it's okay, I just forgive them. No, you forgive them, but you also have to deal with that and report. I've been stuck in one of those for the last six months, and it's miserable. It's miserable. And I, I did not sign up to do this kind of stuff, okay? It didn't pick me. I didn't pick it. It picked me, right, kind of thing. But you have to work it all the way through, and you've got you've to stay with it. So those are some things that I think are helpful for us. Now, let's talk, before we get into the process of forgiveness, let's talk about the act of forgiveness. When we're talking about the act of forgiveness, what we said is when you want to go to somebody and say, I forgive you, what you have to realize it has to come from the heart. It has to be heart-motivated. It can't just be, um, hey, it's the politically correct Christian thing to do. All right? Okay, I forgive you. And then you're still mad inside. No, it's got to be where in your heart before the Lord you go, you know what? I will forgive them. I will let it go. We've talked about that. Yes, we have. Okay? It's got to come from your heart. And until it comes from your heart, it doesn't work. Right? And so we had to recognize, sorry, I can't get that word out. We had to recognize this is a heart issue. And it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or you're an adult. It, it's a heart issue, right? And it's not an easy thing, easy thing to do. Second thing, it must be spoken. Have you ever just forgiven somebody in your mind but never told them? Well, I guess I forgive them. We often do this, by the way, as spouses, right? You ever forgiven your spouse but not told them you forgive them? Right? Well, okay, I forgive them. But do they know you've forgiven them? No. Nice try. You have to actually go up to them. Like, Dean, if you stole my fishing flies, I would have to go up to you and say, Dean, I forgive you. You have to hear it. It has to be spoken. Proverbs uh, ten eleven says this, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. We've been talking about the sin of offense. If you hold on to the offense, what comes out of your mouth? right? Bitterness, anger, rage, payback, it's, it's violence, right? But if we forgive, then what comes out is our mouth becomes a fountain of life and we speak words of life. And what is more healing and full of life than to say, I forgive you, my friend, and extend to others what has been extended to us from the Lord. So it's got to be spoken. It can't just be a good intention, is what I'm trying to say, right? Do you ever have the good intention of asking forgiveness or giving forgiveness, but you didn't do it, right? By the way, some of the hardest words to choke out in the world, and teens, get this now and start practicing, because if you wait to our age, it's, you won't get there, all right? You got to start at your age. One of the hardest things in the world, here's the hardest phrase in the world to say, could you find it in your heart to forgive me? What I did to you was wrong. Adults, is that true? Boy, pride stubbornness, stuff choke you up. You... <coughs> okay. Could you find it in your heart to forgive me? What I did was wrong. That's a, that's a hard thing. Third, it's a releasing, 
Right? A lot of us really landed on Krista's definition, right? Having the person by the throat. And we all went, boy, that's a great word picture. And it's actually used in Matthew 18 where they said the guy had him by the throat, was choking him, demanding that he pay him back that $15,000. It's a releasing. You have to let go. It means you've got to let it go and you've got to give it to the Lord and not grab it back. You ever let something go and then take it back? And then let it go and take it back. You know, choke him, unchoke him, choke him, unchoke him, <laughs> kind of thing. Right? That, that's human nature. We do that. And so the idea there is it's a reason. You have to let the hand off the throat. You've got to let it go. Or like in Susan's illustration that made so much sense to us a couple weeks ago where she said, I want a banquet from you. I want, you're supposed to be giving me more and all I get from you is crumbs. And you've got to be content with the crumbs. That's what you're going to get. And you have to be content with that instead of insisting you always get more. If you insist you always get more, do you ever get it? No, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. You got to be content. So you have to release and be content. And that's part of the act of forgiveness. And also the, the point here, um, this is a good one. The quicker you do it, the less pain you suffer. All right, so uh, I've, my friend Al Mork illustrated for uh, me this in the first service. So I'm going to ask Al to come up. Al, come up. Give Al a hand. Thank you, Al. He's a famous world speaker. No, he's not. <laughs> but he's a longtime friend, and he showed me this last week. So let's try to do this a little different so everybody can see. Hold out your hand. Hold out my hand. Okay. Hold out your hand. Hold it out Trust here. Trust me. Bear with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to inflict a little He's bit bending of pain. my finger back. Yeah, this is fun. Okay, that does hurt. I enjoy this. This is fun. You don't have to illustrate it quite that right. far. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, if I let go, will you forgive me? Or if you forgive me, maybe I'll let go. Oh. Oh. Will you? I will forgive you. Swear to God? I swear to God. By your little pinky? Yes. Right. Okay, there. What happened? Pain went away. The pain went away. Pain you want to do it again? No. okay tell Al thanks give him thanks a lot of times we are in pain that finger is bent back and it hurts okay trust me when he bent it back i'm like okay that's good all right and when we say i forgive you the pain goes away right and what we have to realize in the act of forgiveness what god's trying to do is free us up all right He's trying to free us up. That's why he's asking us uh, to be able to forgive. And lastly, it's being still and knowing that he's God. We often say we want God to be involved with it, but then we won't let God have it. And it's an act of faith. It's a step of faith to say, you know what? This run really hurt. I will entrust that to you to take care of it and handle it the way you see fit. I will let you work out justice in this matter instead of me trying to work out justice in this matter. And a lot of that comes with being still. Do I trust him? Can I let God be at work in this? Do I trust that he's bigger than that offense? And sometimes it's hard. We know intellectually the right answer, but in our heart, we're still mad. We're still bent. We want to grumble and we want to hold on to it. And the battle between us and the Holy Spirit is, Will you let it go? And, and we, right? We know that battle. It's hard. All right, so that's the act of forgiveness. But here's the problem. 
Very seldom is forgiveness just a one-time thing. Any of you notice that? Oh, you see your smiles right now. Yes. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only sinner in here. All right. And, uh, Right? It's a process of things that we have to go through because it's a, it's as we're learning and going through life, we learn this process of forgiveness. So I want to show you a, a diagram that will help you understand this. So here's a continuum, and there's different extremes. So on one side here, what we have is obey, and if I go to the opposite side, it's disobey. If you take some of the big pictures in Scripture, some of the, like in the Gospel of John, Uh, it says that Jesus is the light of the world. The opposite of being light is darkness, right? So I'm either operating in light or I'm operating in darkness. Another big picture, word picture is life. And uh, the opposite of that is death, right? Jesus gave us life and without Christ, we are dead. And so that's another one. But I want to add one this morning. On this side, I'm repentant. But if I'm on the other side, I'm hard-hearted or hardness of heart. Now, how does this work? How does this work in the Christian life? Well, when you are unsaved and then you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes in your life and draws a line and says, hey, everything under the line you can't do anymore, don't worry about the stuff over the line because we'll get to that. Which is why new believers are so wild. They have no idea what's going on. They just know one thing. I know I'm saved. I know I'm forgiven. And, 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 you know, and they'll say, and boy, this is a hell of a good time. And you're like, oh, you know. And, and, and they're like, well, did I say something wrong? Because the Lord hasn't convicted them on that yet, right? But they know they can't do those couple things underneath the line. And, and that's why it's so much fun. But in all relationships, there's this sin trespassing thing. So if I cross that line and grab what I'm not supposed to grab, we call that sin, right? I went across the line. I'm missing the mark. I'm trespassing. What do I have to do to get right? What do I have to do to, to be right with the Lord in this? I have to what? I have to repent. Thanks, Brent. I have to literally come back on the other side of the line. This would be like if you are going to go to Vancouver. All right? And so you're going to go to Vancouver. You're all excited. You're going to Vancouver. So you jump in the car and you go ripping down and you find yourself in Centralia. And you go, oops, Vancouver, B.C., not Vancouver, Washington. Rats. All right, would it at, at that point make any sense whatsoever to say, well, let's just keep driving, maybe we'll hit it? <laughs> no, right? It just the same way in the Christian life, if you're on the wrong side, it doesn't make any sense. Let's just keep going and we'll be right with the Lord. You have to change or repent. And that change or repent literally means, like in this illustration, you'd have to pull off in Centralia, probably hit a 7-Eleven, get a Slurpee. Why? Because you, you have to make up not only the distance you went wrong from Centralia to here, but then you'd have to make up the original distance you were going to do in the first place from here to Vancouver, B.C. All right? That's what repentance is, is getting back in the right direction, turning around uh, to the way the Lord has described the problem. Now, in all relationships, relationships grow, right? And so what God does is he backs up the line in the relationship. And usually God is really smart. He will usually back it up over just one or two things that we're still trying to hold on to, all right? Let's call these offenses up here, all right? If I come back across the line and grab that offense again, what's that called? Say it with me. Sin. Yes, this is a test you've passed, okay? It's called sin. What do I have to do to get right? I have to 
repent. I have to let go of that, and I have to come back on the other side of the line. Now, when I do that with the Lord, can I jump over here? Can I stick that offense in my pocket, skip across, come back and go, hey, we're cool, we're good. What's that in your pocket? Nothing, right? Well, I, no, no, it's good, right? Can you take the offense with you? No. Repent means literally you have to agree with God and let go of that offense. Now, in the Christian life, what does that do? Here's what this does, and it's very important. If I'm on this side of the line, I'm on the, on the good side of the line with the Lord, I have assurance. That means I know I'm right with the Lord. That means I have confidence that God has told me I did that right. You ever done one right, and the Lord said, good job, and you're like, I actually did one right? Cool, Right? And you, you, it's really an amazing feeling. You have confidence. You know you and the Lord are right. You know you're close. You know you're hearing from Him. It's a great thing. The other thing I have is I have clarity, right? It becomes really clear what the issue is, and I know what God's trying to get after. Also, I have singleness of heart. I, I'm, I'm solid on the kingdom. I know what I'm committed to. I have singleness of heart. If I don't do that, what I have on the other side is insecurity, you ever had somebody tell you you're doing fine? You go, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. Because you're not. You're in this gray area. We call this, this gray area from the first line to the second line, that's called backsliding, right? Where you're pretending to be a Christian, but you're really not operating as one. So we call that backsliding. It's gray, it's, it's murky, right? It's muddy. You ever notice if you hang on to something, all of a sudden you don't hear the Lord's voice anymore? And, and it's not clear and... You used to be able to tell truth and light and you can't anymore because it's all mudded up and you can't figure things out. And the other thing is we've become, according to James, double-minded. Uh, I'm in the kingdom, I'm out of the kingdom, I'm in the kingdom, I'm out of the kingdom, I will obey, I won't obey. And we just get really messed up and we're just all over the place. And if you've ever tried to live the Christian life there, that is an awful place. That is just a mess. And so... When we're talking about offenses, we can add too. If you're on that, the, this side of the equation, you have love, right? It says God's love is shed in our heart, right? And how can we say we love God who we can't see when we don't love our brother who we can see? Well, when we extend forgiveness, we experience the love of God. If we don't, on the other side, we decide to hold on to the offense, and then it, then it all goes dark. One of the things about being on that side, you hang on to unforgiveness, you hang on to the offense, it all goes dark. And you no longer have, have light. So when you look at this diagram, usually there's only one or two things the Lord will really highlight. So what you ask the Lord, is there any place where I'm on the wrong side of the line and I've actually grabbed an offense that I wasn't supposed to hold on to what, what do I need to repent of? And usually you'll find there's just one or two, one or two key things that the Lord will point out to you. If you deal with those and you forgive those and extend forgiveness, all of a sudden you'll find the qualities on the other side of the paradigm coming back into play for you, all right? And if we're hungry for that, if we're hungry to hear from the Lord, if we're hungry to get it right, then we cooperate with that and the qualities on the left side of the equation kick in instead of the qualities on the right side of the equation. Does that make sense to you? That is a lifestyle, okay? So we've talked a lot. I've talked a lot 
in church. And you've heard me talk about one of our dreams for or desires for here at Northview is that um, we would experience God's manifest presence. Right? You've heard me say that, manifest presence. And yeah, some of you may be sitting out there going, well, is that just pine the sky pastor speak? Or is he just wacky and, you know, turning into a Catholic mystic? And, you know, what's going on here? What is that? I want to suggest to you it's really practical this morning. Go back to that passage in Colossians 3. I'll shoot it up on the, on the board here. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, God's chosen people are what? God's forgiven people. The big difference between us and other people is that we have been forgiven by God. That's the big difference. Okay? It's not anything in terms of there's something special about us. It's something special about who forgave us. And we're forgiven. It says, as his holy people, clothe yourselves. In other words, just like you put on clothes, put these qualities on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. By the way, I think of all God's attributes, God's gentleness is the one that is given the least credit. I think God is extraordinary in his gentleness and in his kindness. God been kind to anybody in here? Right? Don't consider those two as weak. Those are his great strengths. It's what makes him a great God. It says kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together, binds them all together in perfect unity. So I want to give you a practical tie to this about what difference can forgiveness make within a marriage, within a family, within a congregation? How does that help us experience the manifest presence of God? And I think when you see it, it's going to, one, make you excited, and two, it's going to make sense. Here's how it works. Fresh repentance... Fresh repentance opens the door for revival. When we agree with God, when we agree with the Holy Spirit, and we agree with what He's told us, it opens the door for revival, right? We would say, I feel revived in my heart. It's come back to life. We use a lot of phrases that way, that when we talk about something where uh, it was lost and it's found, I, I see it again, right? We got all kinds of imagery for that, but the picture there is fresh repentance always brings fresh revival. There's a fresh excitement when someone turns and gets it right. Whether you've known the Lord for 30 years or you're a brand new believer and you get up here and say, I just came to know Christ. What does that do to the rest of us? Whoa, right? It creates this, wow, God's at work. God's among us. God's doing something. It's very exciting. How does that happen? Well, look at that passage. Look on the board. Fresh repentance leads to forgiveness. Right? I want to go back a second. Go back to this diagram. Notice how fresh repentance leads to what? Forgiveness. All right? If I am operating God's love, then I'm going to extend forgiveness. And so fresh repentance extends forgiveness. And fresh forgiveness leads to love. If you look in that Colossians passage up there, it says, Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then, because you've forgiven, put on all these virtues over all of this, put on love, which binds them in perfect unity. How well does it work? How how well does your love work if you're still holding on to an offense? Couples. You ever tried to fake your way through loving your partner, your, your husband or wife, and you're still mad at them? How well does that work? 
Pretty miserable, right? Right? It's a hard thing. So, how is God's presence and love made manifest among us? In other words, it's tangible. We can see it. Here's, I want to, uh, here's how it's done. His forgiven people, that'd be you, me, his forgiven people act like him, and they forgive others as he has forgiven them. In other words, as God forgives others, as God forgives us, we forgive others. We act like God. And as we act like God, forgiveness is extended. When forgiveness is extended, what happens? Love breaks out. Can you tell? Can you tell a couple who's really in love with each other versus a couple who's angry or bitter? Oh, yes, you can. I'll never forget one time Jan was, uh, we were at church at North Shore and uh, looking at this one couple and he said, it was an older couple in their 70s, he said, see that man, see that wife? I said, yeah. He said, see the wife? I go, yeah. He says, she doesn't look too happy. Jan said, he, he got exactly what he built into her. What did he build into her? Bitterness, resentment, anger, grief, and he, it showed up on her countenance. It's done. Okay? When forgiveness is extended, what comes up? Right? You can't even... You ever see a couple in love? It's just like it... When people walk into church, do they notice that? You bet they do. They can tell. So, his forgiven people act like him and forgive others as he has forgiven them. And here's the key point. It has nothing to do with the other person who sinned against you. It's not about them. It's about what God's asked you to do. And it's asking you to extend forgiveness to them. It has everything to do with our personal obedience to the Holy Spirit. God will take care of the other person. That's not our job. What's our job? Take care of us and what he's told us. And if he's told you to forgive somebody, what, do, what should we do? We should forgive them, right? Is that easy? No. Thanks, Becca. Okay? No, it's not, is it? It's very hard. But is it right? Does it produce the right stuff? Yes, it does. So we've got to swallow our pride, and we've got to step in obedience to that. Here's why. If we won't forgive, then we won't repent. And if we won't repent, then our love for each other dies. And if our love for each other dies, eventually, so will our love for God. You can't stay unforgiving on this way and keep it alive this way. It doesn't work. If it's working this way, then it's got to extend this way as well. And that's how God is manifest among us. We forgive each other. What if the key to revival, you know, we've been talking about revival in the Northwest and Mill Creek and how we wish for it here and that we would actually see God in a manifest way. What if the key to revival was simply me keeping short accounts and living a lifestyle of forgiveness in my marriage, with my family, at my church, in my neighborhood, at my job? What kind of impact, if you just took Northview and two services, first and second, what kind of impact would that have in the Mill Creek area if we all started to forgive the people that the Lord asked us to forgive? Do you think that would make a difference in our marriages, in our families, in our church? I want to suggest to you, people would start taking notice. They would know that we're people that are hard to offend. Here's what, that's exciting. You know why that's exciting? 
Here's why that's exciting. There's a lot of Christian things that you might not think you're good at. Like, for example, I said, well, you have to be uh, expert in theology or you don't go to heaven. Okay, I'm not going to get Or you have to memorize the whole Bible. Okay, I can't memorize. Right? There's all these Christian things that go, that's good for the spiritual people. I'm just slumming around in the mud down here, you know. But this is one thing, why this is so exciting. This is one thing we can all do. Every single one of us in this room can do this. It doesn't matter your schooling level. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your economics. It doesn't matter your status, single or married, young or old. None of that matters. We can all do this. We can all listen to the Lord and extend forgiveness to someone who's offended us or someone who's sinned against us. And if we all did that consistently as a lifestyle, God's presence would be manifest among us. It would be tangible. People would feel it. They would sense it. We aren't exceptional people, but we can become exceptional by doing this. You hear what I'm saying? We aren't exceptional people, but we can become exceptional by doing this because we become radically different than the people around us when we extend forgiveness and when we let go of grudges and offenses and won't take offense. We become radically different than the people. Fresh repentance leads to fresh forgiveness. Fresh forgiveness leads to fresh love. Fresh love leads to fresh revival. What God has been talking to us about is the sin of offense and not getting trapped, right? The scandal on, the bait stick, not taking the bait. To be free, to live free from offense. If we do that, it may be the key to revival in the Mill Creek area. That is exciting for us. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, as we wrap this up, we know that you've talked to us and we know it's been an intense and uh, live discussion, dialogue with you. And you've tried to warn us about something that is uh, so common and so often and so mundane We just brush it off as nothing really big and yet it is killing us and our spirit and our joy, our steadfastness, our patience, our gentleness just goes out the window and we become irritable. We become harsh. um, We become unforgiving. And rather than experiencing revival, Lord, it feels like you're not around and, and that you're a failure and that your promises aren't true. The enemy is so good at that, so subtle at that, very seldom do we ever realize when he's actually switched the cards. Lord, you've shown a a bright light on that over the last six weeks, and we ask that it would not be in vain, that your word would not come back void, that you will have spoken that in our hearts, and that we will be a people that will be hard to offend, that we will not hold on to grievances or offenses, but we will extend forgiveness and we ask that you would teach us more about how to be like you and lord we ask that we would actually act like you by extending forgiveness to those close and far away and we pray for that grace in your name amen